Jimmy Savile, The Secret Lies in Depravity. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. The name rang across the crowd as a satin gold coffin approached St. Anne's Cathedral in Leeds, England in November of 2011. Hundreds of people kept track of the procession as the coffin journeyed through Leeds, stopping momentarily at Leeds General Infirmary before heading to St. Anne's Cathedral for the service. It was the closest to a royal funeral Britain could get, and every inch of the procession was decided beforehand by the deceased. At age 84, legendary radio DJ, television personality, philanthropist, and English knight Sir James Wilson Savile, better known as Jimmy Savile, died in his home. He had been battling heart problems and was found dead just two days before his birthday. The National Treasure With his trademark chunky jewelry, cigar in mouth, floaty white hair, and catchy phrases, Jimmy Savile was proclaimed an English icon. Born in Leeds in West Yorkshire, he was the youngest of seven children and grew up in a pious Roman Catholic family. His father, a bookmaker's clerk, was once described by Jimmy as scrupulously honest but scrupulously broke. His mother, Agnes, seemed to have a special bond with her youngest child. In later interviews, Savile referred to his mother as the Duchess, and even after her death in 1972, kept her Roman clothing as it was for decades. At 18, Jimmy became a Bevan boy, manning the local coal mines in wartime. It's believed while doing so, he suffered a severe spinal injury when a mine exploded, causing him to spend months in recovery. In the 1940s, he became a constant fixture in dance halls, becoming what he claims to be the first DJ by using two turntables and a microphone to play his music. By the 50s, he turned into a semi-professional athlete by joining the Tour of Britain cycle team and dabbling in professional wrestling. Savile proclaims he's done over 300 bike races, 200 marathons, and 107 professional fights. By the mid-50s and early 60s, he became a top dance hall DJ and went on to own several ballrooms. It was around this time that he worked with Ray Terrett, who became his backup DJ, assistant, and chauffeur. Savile's Mecca Locarno Ballroom in Leeds and his Payless Dance Hall in Ilford, Essex became a hotspot for teens during the era. It was in the latter where Savile was discovered by a music executive from Decca Records, launching his career as a prominent DJ and host. From there, Savile's radio career began. He thrived and soon he became a common fixture on local radio, even becoming Britain's leading DJ during the 60s. On New Year's Day in 1964, Savile presented the first episode of the world-renowned music television show Top of the Pops. From there, his television career soared and he began appearing on other shows, in television ads, charity programs, and more. But it was his show, Jimmy Will Fix It, which ran from 1975 to June of 1994, that would be his most well-known endeavor. Savile created and presented the program where he encouraged people, mostly children, to write in their wishes and have them grant them. For years it ran and countless children as well as adults wrote in. In 2007, the program was momentarily revived with Jimmy recounting his top fix-its as well as making more people's wishes come true. Aside from his public persona, his charity work put him on everyone's radar. 
Jimmy was always helping raise money for countless causes, and according to him, it's estimated he helped raise over 40 million pounds for charity. Working as a hospital volunteer at primary institutions like the Stoke Mendeville Hospital, Broadmoor Hospital, and Leeds General Infirmary, he helped raise money for various patients, often children and teens. Both in Stoke, Manville, and Leeds, his presence was prioritized. After all, it wasn't every day that a celebrity would grace them with their presence. While he was an eccentric character, no doubt, his appearance and association with the BBC through various programs and shows made him a trusted face. It seemed everybody loved Jimmy. Everyone except for his victims. Behind the Spectacles Jane, which isn't a real name, was 16 years old and confined to the Leeds General Infirmary in the 1970s. Saville, generous as he was known, took her to a local shop to get sweets and magazines. It made Jane feel special, and in her words, she said it made her feel like the chosen one. Then one day, a hospital porter led her to the basement area of the hospital, where Saville was waiting behind a closed door. The moment she got inside, Jimmy pulled her in and immediately began French kissing and groping her. For Jane, everything was a shock. The whole thing lasted around five to six minutes, then Saville simply said, you've got to go. She didn't even have time to process what was happening until later. Jane said she felt dirty and ridiculously stupid. She later realized this wasn't the first time he likely did it and told nurses about what happened. The nurses, though, simply laughed at her, and it was only her mother that believed her. Another victim was only 10 years old during her abuse. The first time it happened, Saville picked her up in front of her house in a small two-seated car, forcing her family to take another vehicle. At the hospital, Jimmy took the young girl to a room without any windows and kissed her multiple times. Six months later, Jimmy abused her again when he took her in for another hospital appointment. For her third appointment, the little girl was so desperate to escape Saville that she caused herself to have an accident and was taken to another local hospital. A male patient, 18 during the time, was confined to Broadmoor Hospital during the 70s. Saville told him to head to his apartment in order to collect payment for washing cars. Once he got there, though, Saville forced him to perform oral sex on him. Even though he was unwilling, he feared the TV personality's considerable reputation around the hospital, so he obliged and kept quiet about the matter. These are just three of the hundreds of victims that later came forward stating Jimmy groped, touched, and raped them on various instances. Most people knew, but everyone kept quiet. When ITV released its documentary and exposed Jimmy Savile's secret, the wake of destruction he left behind seemed unimaginable. At least 500 victims have come forward, meaning that likely there were many more who never did. The first recorded report of abuse by Savile was back in 1955. Back then, he was still working as a DJ at a dance hall. Meanwhile, the last known report of abuse was in 2009, two years before his death when he was 82 years old. What's baffling is that rumors of his panache for young girls and boys have been rampant all throughout his career, yet he was never fully exposed for what he truly was. At least once in the 80s, a female victim reported being assaulted inside Seville's camper van to the Metropolitan Police. The only problem was that that police file seemingly disappeared and couldn't be found. Even more bizarre, in Savile's published autobiography, he wrote about his sexual exploits openly. 
even boasting of one incident where he encountered a runaway teen and hinted he got his way with her before turning her over to police. All throughout the decades, countless suspicions and attempts by victims to report Jimmy's hidden pedophilia came against scrutiny and even ridicule. It was only in 2007 when police questioned Saville under caution about allegations of abuse and indecent assault at Duncroft-approved school for girls during the 70s where Saville was a frequent visitor. However, the investigation didn't go anywhere because conveniently there was insufficient evidence. It was later revealed the school never investigated the allegations in the first place and a former headmistress even described the victims themselves as delinquents. Getting the word out. Soon after Saville's death on October 29, 2011, Liz McKeon and Marion Jones from the BBC show Newsnight looked into the various allegations against him. One victim willingly spoke about her experience while others allowed their story to be told. The program interviewed the headmistress from Duncroft, and they also uncovered a 2009 Surrey police investigation into Saville's abuse. The program was set to be released on December 7, 2011, but instead it was canceled by higher management. When news of Jimmy's depravity broke out on another documentary done by ITV, this decision to drop the Newsnight program caused uproar and damage to the BBC's credibility. It was clear Newsnight had collected enough evidence that Saville had a history of abusing young women and the story could have been exposed sooner had the program aired. Even though Jones warned Peter Rippon, the Newsnight editor, that pulling the program could have huge consequences on the BBC, Rippon insisted and the story was dropped. After this scandal broke, reporters alleged that the BBC had pulled the program release because of an attempted cover-up Miles Goslett from Oldie reported releasing the program would have clashed with two planned tribute shows for Saville during the time, even more damning because some allegations of abuse actually happened at the BBC premises. The BBC Controversy Because Saville worked the majority of his life for the BBC, questions were raised as to how far the BBC executives or the people who worked with Saville knew of his abuses. Then controller of BBC Radio 1 during the 70s, Douglas Muggeridge was aware of the reports and ordered a report to be done back in 1973. Another controller from 1978 to 1985, Derek Chinnery, also brought up the rumors to Saville himself and asked about them. But of course, Jimmy denied the accusations, making light of them. Shockingly, they simply took his word for it. Other people who have worked for the BBC before also later came forward that they had heard the rumors swirling, but the BBC in their official statement said there have been no reports of Savile's misconduct in their files and denied there was ever a cover-up. BBC Director General George Entwistle later apologized for what happened and the shelving of the Newsnight program. In October of 2012, an inquiry was ordered by Dame Janet Smith regarding the culture and practices of the BBC during the time Savile worked there. The following month, Entwistle resigned as Director General. During the inquiry, a call was made for victims or those with knowledge of any abuses to come forward. Within weeks, over 290 individuals, including current and former BBC employees, opened up to speak. The report itself, however, wasn't released until years later for fear it would interfere with police investigations. The 700-page report was published to the public in February of 2016. It found Saville had abused 72 people and raped 8, including an 8-year-old. 
He did all this on almost every one of the BBC premises at which he worked. Some staff members knew of the complaints, but never reported it to the higher authorities out of fear. Police Investigations Police investigations flurried as one by one the victims spoke out about being abused at the hands of Jimmy. The Metropolitan Police Service dubbed their investigation Operation U-Tree. By December of 2012, after a full year or so of investigations, authorities said there were 589 allegations made against Saville and about 450 alleged that they were abused by him. About 80% of these were children or young adults at the time. About 31 people came forward as well, citing they were raped. According to the police, his string of abuses peaked during the 70s, showing he used his position and celebrity status to take advantage of his victims. Other investigations also focused on the police's decision not to prosecute Saville in 2009 when several victims came forward to accuse him. It was discovered that had police taken a different approach, the testimony of the three victims would have led to prosecution of Saville, but in the end, the police chose to say there wasn't enough evidence. Investigations by the Department of Health With decades spent doing charitable work, Saville was in close contact with various hospitals. The Department of Health conducted their own investigation, focusing on 32 hospitals around England that at some point were linked to Saville and his activities. The report findings, published in 2014, concluded that Jimmy assaulted and abused hundreds of patients in these hospitals. At Leeds General Infirmary, for example, he abused over 60 staff and patients, with ages running between 5 to 75 years old. Nurses and other staff said Saville even boasted about having sex with freshly dead bodies in the mortuary and even taking out the glass eye of patients to turn them into rings. While they weren't sure if he was joking or serious about what he said, the staff did acknowledge that he did have free reign over the hospital, including the mortuary. Meanwhile, at Stoke Mandeville Hospital, an investigation found Saville had also abused about 50 staff and patients, including visitors. One of the victims was an 8-year-old girl. Like in other hospitals, he had full access in all areas. What's worse is over the years, more than 10 complaints were made of his abuses, but no action was ever taken against him. The controversy ends. After Saville's crimes were made public, there was little love for the once prominent celebrity. His family had asked his gravestone to be removed from the cemetery, and it was later dumped in a landfill. Institutions and people once associated with him hastily removed any sign of linkage with him. His inscription at the Leeds Civic Hall was removed, and a cafe once named Jimmy in honor of him changed its name. The University of Bedfordshire even stripped him of an honorary degree they once gave him, while the Great North Run removed his name from their Hall of Fame. His registered charities have shut down and distributed their funds to other charities, while the BBC also confirmed they would stop repeated airings of Top of the Pops with Savile in it. A bolder move made by some people have asked the Catholic Church to remove the papal knighthood bestowed by Pope John Paul II on Savile for his charitable works. However, this was impossible since there is no process to remove the title and that the honor dies with the person. Today, the name Jimmy Savile has become a source of repugnance, hatred, and disgust. Questions linger, though, for victims and onlookers of the story. How did his crimes and abuses go on for so long without anyone speaking up or even noticing?
If you enjoyed this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel. We have new videos coming out every single week that we know you'll want to see. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.